Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 289 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on blog, talk, radio. And you may have noticed already that I have my, it's not even, I was going to say post-illness voice, but I'm sort of still in the middle of it. And I feel like Phoebe (laughs) from Friends, like, smelly cat, smelly cat, what are they feeding you? It's like that. Uh, I did a video on Patreon Sunday saying how I had turned a corner because I really had a knockdown, drag out, disgusting, I think it was the cold. It might have been the flu. I think it was a cold. It might have been the flu. Whatever it was, it was gross. And it sort of rendered me useless on Saturday in particular. (laughs) So I was really overjoyed on Sunday when I felt a little bit better. But this thing seems to be a shapeshifter. Because I felt crummy again yesterday. And I've noticed a pattern. Like after lunch, I'm, I kind of, my brain just stops and I'm tired. So we've got till lunch to get this thing done, people. And I'm going to do it. We are doing part four of the epic Q&A session that won't even be done after part four. I'm going to try to get it done in five parts. There's a lot of questions left. I think that's the last time I'm going to do that on a survey because, I mean, unless you all love it, you can tell me if you love these Q&A podcasts. I feel like maybe you're getting impatient because I'm doing so many of them, but that's just a story I'm telling in my head because nobody has said stop with the Q&A. I'm going to do one more probably in February at some time, and then I will have made it through the survey. And I'm thinking in future surveys, I'm not going to just ask an open-ended question like that. <laughs> uh, because I'm every year, Kick-Ass Witch gets bigger, so I'm thinking next year it's going to take me like 30 episodes to get through all the questions. It's like a year's worth of podcasts. So let's just hop to it before I start rambling. Please forgive any coughing or weird uh, sounds because that's what it is today. I just could not do... I couldn't let two weeks go by without a podcast, so I had to show up. So let's do this thing. Victoria on Twitter asks, I was wondering how you feel about the idea of past lives. It's intriguing to me, and I have lots of memories during meditation that I can't explain, and I want to dive further. Do you have experiences like this? Where do I start? Sounds like you found the perfect starting point, Victoria. Like, start with meditation because that seems to be working for you. I have had experiences like that. I have special feeling dreams that feel different 
I dream. I'm a big dreamer. I I love lucid dreaming. I have very vivid, memory, memorable dreams, and that's kind of the norm for me. But then I have dreams that feel special. They give me a special feeling, and typically those are predictive. They're like these little psychic moments when I I dream something before it's happened. I've occasionally had dreams that gave me that same feeling, but they were from the past, supposedly. I don't, I don't, spoiler alert, I don't know if I believe in past lives. I think it's fascinating. I think it's highly plausible. I'm very interested in, oh, what's that doctor that wrote Many Lives, Many Masters? There's a really famous book that is just filled with anecdotal evidence. Uh, I I never finished it. I started a a screenplay years ago when I got really interested in this called Manifest Destiny, and it was a great premise. But I got really really stuck, and I realized it was so flawed. It was really flawed, and I couldn't find my way out of the hole that I had dug for myself. <laughs> so I moved on to another project. But it was really inspired by these children that have weird wounds. Like they'll have a scar on their head or a birthmark when they're born, and then they as they get older, when they're still little children, they tell their parents in detail about these past lives and they end up, the parents will take them to where they claim to have been from. And sure enough, like the house that they describe is there or the family that they describe is there or come to find out the birthmark or the scar that they were born with corresponds to the exact wound that the person that lived in that house suffered when they died and they died before the child was born. So it, that was just like, whoa, blowing my mind, man. <laughs> but uh, I haven't said this in a while, but I used to say it a lot. My mind is so open. I fear one day my brain will fall out. I'm very, I like to stay open to all the possibilities. So I kind of talked myself out of being like, this is definite evidence of past lives and of reincarnation because I started thinking about, well, maybe we're just tapping into the collective unconscious. Maybe anybody can access that person's memories, although it's harder to justify when you start getting into weird birthmarks and scars, right? That's the one thing that makes me wonder. Um, And then another thing is ancestral memories, which is something that I wonder about my own experiences with this. So I had, I kept having one of those dreams that gave me the special feeling. And I was in a concentration camp uh, back in, well, awful, when, when all of that was happening in Nazi, Nazi Germany and that whole area. But would always I would wake up, and in the, in the dream, I was blonde-haired and blue eyes. So when I woke up, I was like, yeah, but blonde hair, blue eyes, people weren't in concentration camps. So that just must be like some story. I don't know. I picked up somewhere and I put myself in it or something. And then years later, I got really into tracing my family ancestry, which I was able to do with stunning accuracy because we have, uh, we have a book called In Search of Home that tells us like literally I'm in the book and it goes all the way back 
hundreds of years. It's fascinating. Um, and then even just because of all those clues, I was even to, able to go back further and further and further and come to find out, to make a long story short, the area that we, our ancestors are from, I knew we were Prussians. We are what is known as Germans from Russia. But the area that we lived in is what is now Poland. It's Poland. And so uh, that there were blonde haired, blue eyed people in concentration camps. And when I was doing that research and immediately brought me back around to that dream and like going, what is that? So it, did I tap into the collective unconscious? Did I just grab someone else's memory? Was it an ancestral men- memory that was passed down through my DNA or was I really there? I don't know, but it's really fun to talk about this stuff. And if I had to pick a belief, if I just, if I had to, <laughs> I would probably pick reincarnation. My son is very inclined that way too. And uh, much to the chagrin, I'm sure, of my family. <laughs> but uh, I don't blame him. He wants to come back. After, he wants to come back, he says, uh, after this life is over. So, okay, so that's my ramble, ramble, ramble about that. The next question, does using magic, oh, this is so good. When I was, I cut and paste these questions into a PDF so I don't have to scroll through the internet. <laughs> And this one was really cool. I feel like this one is more of an awesome share than a question. But but there is a question at the beginning. Does using magic give more substance, physical, to your intentions? For example, I did a prosperity spell using a silver coin and a silver bowl of water on the full moon. The next time I meditated and imagined drawing energy down through my crown chakra... It was like molten silver where my colors are usually translucent. That's a really cool share, man. That's, that's a witchy brag right there <laughs> for good reason. I love that. I would say in answer to your question that, yes, for you, using magic gives more physical substance um, to at least your meditations. And hold on, shutting off my little space heater there. For me, and I don't know if this is true of everyone, it might be, I like to do, I like to ground magic in something physical because I think it makes for, not always, but I think it makes for a quicker manifestation process because our minds are largely comprised of the subconscious. And so if you're just setting intentions consciously, you can't access all of that. So doing something physical, using symbolism like you did with silver, it gives, it starts speaking to the subconscious layers of your mind. And to me, that's where all the magic happens. So I would say yes in answer to your question. That, that's, that's my perspective anyway. So the next question I have several big areas that I need to work on, financial, self-love, and health. I know I need to pick one to focus on. Have you been faced with this before? And if so, how did you choose what order? Oh, yes, of course. I think we all have. Those are, those are big ones, of course, yes. Uh, 
something I often say is how you do anything is how you do everything. So you can choose to just work on your money if you hold the intention that in going through that process, you are going to elevate your way of being in the world and your way of doing everything. And that the lessons that you learn in in exploring how to find financial freedom for yourself, how to create that, how to build that, or it's going to inform how you create everything else. I will say you don't have too many things here listed. Financial, self-love, and health. You could take self-love out of the equation and focus on financial and health with the intention that you are doing those things as an act of self-love. So you're not taking out the equation, you're actually prioritizing it, but you are making whatever energy you're putting into learning to be financially free, building your financial empire, however you want to frame that for yourself, you're doing that as an act of love. And it is. Taking care of yourself financially is self-love. It truly is. Same with taking care of your health. I would call that soul care, care of the soul. So really, you have two areas of focus then when you break it down. And the intention behind both is self-love. And that's totally doable. So you could have financial Fridays, So every Friday is devoted to working on your finances. So that might mean you go over all your bank information, you learn something new, you invest, you take a class, you read a book. I don't know where you're at on your journey, but you do something. Every financial Friday, you devote the morning or the afternoon or the evening to moving yourself forward in that way. You could do it two days a week if you want. And then health, maybe you have like healthy Tuesdays, (laughs) same exact thing. (laughs) And at the beginning of healthy Tuesday or financial Friday, you just lead with your intention. I am doing this as an act of self-love. And you proceed. That is what I would suggest to you. And again, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you have to move through a lot of shadow issues, if you have to move through a lot of internal like money blocks, things like that, self-esteem issues, if you have to do that in building your financial empire, you're healing so much that's going to come into play in your romantic life and in your health life and in dealing with your family So uh, it's all good. Just begin. Begin. How? I need a breath. Sorry. Uh, My chest. There's been a lot of coughing, and I I could tell the coughing. I have like this little window of time uh, after I first wake up and before I hit that afternoon dip where I can talk without coughing so much, but I get short of breath. Uh, Let me get a drink of water real quick. Sorry, guys. Mm. Hot water. I sip it all day long. It's so good. Okay. How do I stop feeling like I've stagnated? I find a comfortable place and things begin to feel like I'm not moving forward. Sometimes like I'm moving backward, which causes me to feel like a failure. 
How do you go beyond your new found comfort zone? How do you keep motivated? Feeling like a failure because of that is definitely a meaning that you are assigning to it that doesn't need to be there. So you can take that off the table right away. Like you're making this about being a failure when for someone else it might not be that at all. For many of us, it might not be that at all. So that is some shadow issue you have or just some old programming that is that is assigning meaning to feeling kind of stagnated or maybe like you've hit a plateau that not everybody would necessarily assign to that experience. So I would work on that for sure uh, because you're so not a failure. That's a perfectly normal human experience. I talked, I think, in December about plateaus and how they're not necessarily a bad thing. You know, nature moves like that. Nature is an amazing template for life. Like, look at nature. There are plateaus in nature and hills go up and down and up and down. We often move two steps forward and one step back and then three steps forward and two steps back and then four steps forward and no steps back and back and forth and back and forth. That's just how, that's just what it's like to move through life and progress. And when you're in, even if you're taking a step back, for example, you can just reframe it for yourself as like, okay, this is just a plateau, or this is just an integration period where I need to like, my subconscious mind needs to catch up to everything that's happened in the last whatever. When I was making progress, like now I'm catching up with myself and I just need to take a step back and let that all sink in and integrate. That's a great story to tell yourself, right? (laughs) Some stories we tell ourselves are empowering and some are not. So just look at maybe reframing the meaning that you're assigning to the experience. And then you asked, how do I keep motivated? And for me, it's, it's, you, if you listen to the Saturn's Day evening post, you know this about me. It's pop culture. I love my magazines. I love my books. I love my movies. I love my music. I am a hungry, eager consumer of art in all its forms, and I guess that's the cycle for me, creativity. It's like I take it in and I put it out, and I take it in and I put it out. Like So who knows where all of my ideas come in, are coming from. It's probably just like a combination of everything that I've read, you know, and it just mushes around in my mind, but I'm always looking for inspiration because I enjoy it and I have fun. So that's how I personally stay motivated. Uh, I listen to off and on, depending on my mood. Like I go through these periods where I really like to listen to like really nerdy, motivational speaking kind of stuff, like very Tony Robbins. I go through phases where I just like to play Abraham Hicks videos in the background. And then I go through phases where I like to uh, have beauty vloggers that are doing like really glamorous, exciting things like traveling the world and going to fancy parties. Like I like to have that stuff running when I'm exercising or cleaning or cooking or something like that. 
And I think the trick is that there is a mix of it because you can only listen to Abraham Hicks so long before you're like, yeah, yes, I know, I know, be in the vortex. Or you can only have Tony Robbins yelling at you so long before you're, <laughs> you're like, I get it. Um, you know, so it's just a, a broad mix of interests. So whatever interests you, whatever's fun, it's going to be different for every person. But take a little slump or take a plateau as an opportunity to be like, oh, it's time to refuel. It's time to re-up on the inspiration. Go to the movies. If you're into sports, like, go do something sporty. I don't know. <laughs> go on a hike. Sign up for a marathon. Go to a baseball game. Something like that. It sounds really obvious, obviously, but we forget, right? Sometimes we forget. So what motivates you? Maybe write that across the top of your journal. What motivates me? What inspires me? And then do more of that. Oh, shout out to Stav from Sydney. Love your work, Joe. Stav from Sydney. <laughs> That's what I got instead of a question. A lot of you did that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate those little... Those little shout, those little moments when I'm going through the survey. Okay. How do you plan? We're going to have to wrap this up soon because I feel a coughing jag coming on. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> there it is. Okay. We're going to wrap this up. Let's try to get a few more in. Um, how do you plan your days, weeks, months? What step-by-step -step method do you use? What motivates you to keep on task? I am a mess. I am sorry that you feel that way. I will say the th same thing to you to the person that said that they feel like a failure. You are not a mess. That is just a story you're telling yourself. You are perfectly human. And that is perfectly okay. But uh, I will share, I, I will repeat myself and talk about the 12-week year. I use the 12-week year and I use my date book. I'm a major day planner nerd and that is how I do it and I use my little timer method that I talk about all the time those are the three main tools that I use to plan and and to really really focus on my goals uh, so having said that because I talk a lot about that and I'm going to be doing a video soon I don't know soonish before the end of the first quarter of this year I've been using the full focus planner to track the first quarter of this year. I will share with you all in a video my experience with the full focus planner. I thought it would be fun to do that throughout the year to show you what this particular planner is like and how I work with it and what I like about it and what I don't. Um, because so many of you are planner nerds. I did a whole month here on being a planner nerd too. So if you missed that, that was in November. And in, the, and in the context of that, I did an interview with Kellyanne Maddox, and she talked about her planning stuff. So you can get two for the price of one if you go back and listen to that. Uh, so you asked for a step-by-step -step method. Here's what I would say. <laughs> Start with the end in mind and work backward. So... Start with what it is you want to create what desire you're trying to manifest, what goal you're trying to reach. Start there. Get as clear of a picture of it in your mind as you can. Even if it seems impossible from where you're sitting or overwhelming, 
Just get clear on what that is, what it looks like, smells like, tastes like, feels like, sounds like, all of it. Like get super, super clear. And then ask yourself if you could take one big step toward creating whatever it is you're trying to create, what would that look like? What would that big step be? And then you get to break it down into little digestible chunks. So that's why I like working with a quarter of a year. That's three months. So let's say you're going to take that step in three months. Then you keep asking that same question on a micro level, right? So you have this step is three months, whatever that thing is. Like in three months, I'm going to complete this and it's going to get me closer to my goal. So a micro way to keep dealing with that is so then you ask each month, okay, how do I make, how do I get closer to that this month? What would that look like? And then you ask that for each week. Okay, so how do I, how do I move forward toward that each week? And then you do it for each day and you just get smaller and smaller and smaller with it. So in the moment, as you're, as you're, taking these little bite-sized pieces out of your dream, it doesn't feel like a lot, but, but that adds up. That adds up. Slowly over time, you end up accomplishing your dream, and you get there kind of faster than you realized you were going. It seems to have some kind of compound effect. Uh, so I would also recommend when, you, when I'm saying start with the end in mind and work backward, Really identify the why, the big why. Why do I want this? Why? You don't just arbitrarily want something. There's a feeling or an experience that you want to have. So if you're like, I want, I want like a romantic partner. Why? Like, obviously, because you want to feel love, right? What does that look like for you? It's like, well, that would be like going to the farmer's market every Sunday, having somebody on Friday night to just sit on the couch and eat snacks and maybe drink a little wine and Netflix and chill, you know, and and you start kind of daydreaming like, well, what would that look like? And, you know, what does love, what would that love relationship feel like to me? And then that's where vision boards come in handy. Because again, what I was saying earlier about, most of our mind is subconscious. And so it's awesome to really incorporate things that touch down below the conscious, your conscious level of thinking and get into the subconscious. And we do that with pictures and we do that with symbolism. We do that with ritual. We do it with so many things. A vision board is one of the ways you can do it. So you look for pictures of of a couple sitting on a couch sharing a bowl of popcorn watching tv you look at for pictures of a couple going to the farmer's market together and smiling and looking so happy and their golden retriever is frolicking me you know (laughs) it's just like look for get really specific with it right and what i like to do is i incorporate vision boards into my day planner so i guess basically i collage the front pages of my day planner And I check in with that at the beginning, sometimes the beginning and the end, sometimes the middle of my day, because I really understand that idea of the subconscious mind does so much of the work for you. And, you know, there's so much we can do to program our own minds to respond and react 
to life, to assign meaning, and to tell the stories that we want it to tell. We are way more in control of that than we think we are. And um, so I just like to just take a moment and stare at my little vision board that's in the front of my day planner and just let that soak in. So make sure it's very, very specific to what it is you want to create, that it's connected to your why so that every time, you know, you're like chipping away at the little tiny bite-sized pieces day after day after day, but the why of why am I doing this, what is it that I'm trying to create, keeps you going. It keeps you fueled. Okay, next question. Oh, this is very personal. <laughs> You've mentioned that you sold some movie scripts in the past, which sounds magical to me. Do you mind sharing your story on that? Did you have an agent or contacts in the field? How did you know where to send your screenplay? Were they spec scripts? I'm on Patreon if that helps. Thank you. I think you said that in case I wanted to be more private about this. <laughs> but I, I don't mind talking about it. Um, oh, and there's a second part of the question. Well, let's save that for after I answer this. Okay. Oh, that feels like another lifetime ago, and I would love so much to get back there for myself because that's an unfulfilled dream. I, I want to see my words on the screen. I never got to have the experience of writing a screenplay and having it produced and up on the screen. Let me say here, for anybody who's ever heard me say that, I was not a big Hollywood anybody. I don't even have an IMD page. And... Uh, I wrote on spec. For those who don't know, that means you write a screenplay and then you send it out. It's a risky thing to do because nobody might care. And it's very, uh, you know, time intensive to write a screenplay. But that's how you get started typically. And um, for me, the way I was just always on the fringes, right? There's, I think it's a good thing to mention this. I don't have an IMDb page. None of my screenplays were made into movies, <clears throat> and yet I made money. So there's so much you can do on the fringes of like the core of Hollywood to learn, to make money, to connect with other people that are on your level. There are other people that want to make movies that aren't Hollywood big shots either. Uh, so that's how I did it. It was like... Usually friends, uh, I did end up selling it, selling twice, um, my screenplays to strangers, but it was through friends. It was through friends going like, oh my God, this girl wrote this script and you have to read it and you have to make it. And friends that just got excited and believed in me. And, um, so that is how it happened. And I wrote a lot of, not a lot. I wrote a couple of really, really shitty screenplays, but that's how I learned. And um, you have to start somewhere, right? <laughs> the first screenplay I wrote was called The Walls of Jericho, and it was a modern-day adaption of Edith Wharton, the first woman to win a Pulitzer Prize, um, her book, The Glimpses of the Moon, which is hilarious if you've ever read The Glimpses of the Moon because it's so it's such a book for its time. It didn't really translate into modern life and that nothing happened with that. Um 
I lived in a male model apartment in New York City with my husband at the time, who was a male model. So I was surrounded by male models <laughs> when Tanner was just a little baby. They called him Cabbage Patch because he looked like a Cabbage Patch kid. And um, so I guess that's where I got the idea for this. It was kind of, I wrote a screenplay called Peter's Turn that I sold twice and nothing ever happened to it, thank God, because I think I would be embarrassed of it now, even even though it was very well written the first time. I'll tell you why it wasn't the second time in a minute. Um, it was very well written, and I knew it, I knew it was good. But now I just think the content is embarrassing. It was basically kind of like a pretty women, pretty woman, but reverse, like a man, and it was about a male prostitute who is discovered by a wealthy, powerful woman. And turned into a male model, a big famous male model, and then everything falls apart when it's discovered that he was a male prostitute, which today I don't even think people would care. It would just make him more famous. <laughs> but it was like scandalous in the moment, and him and the woman fell in love and had this affair and all of that. Uh, so nothing happened to that. I was very excited when it sold because I was hobnobbing with people that were big and fancy, famous names I knew. Incidentally, coincidentally, I should say, uh, one of those people is now very much tied up in the Me Too scandal. So maybe it was a good thing that he did not make my movie. I don't know. And one of the producers that was telling me, yes, we're going to make your movie for sure, uh, ended up getting involved with making Zoolander, which came out. <laughs> I've never seen Zoolander because I was so pissed because it was... It was about male models, so maybe they decided to make that movie instead. I don't really know. <laughs> Keep in mind, I'm a total nobody, right? So they may, they, I don't even know if I was part of that conversation. But Zoolander was, is an appro more appropriate movie to make about zoo male modeling because it's a funny subject. So I think maybe I was like a little off the mark there with, I don't know, maybe I was taking it all too seriously or something. <laughs> But I ended up getting the screenplay back because you can option a screenplay. So that means basically someone rents it from you for a year or so, and then you get it back if they don't end up making it into a movie or, or selling it to a bigger company or something like that. So I got it back, and I ended up selling it to a softcore porn company. <laughs> Uh, I was going to tell you the name of the company because it's funny, but I think I'll refrain so you don't all go running to Google. But um, And then I had, this is why the second draft is really bad. I had to rewrite it with like a lot of, it was like one of those like Skinamax <laughs> late night uh, movies where nobody's actually having sex, but there's like boobies and people simulating sex and there's like sex scenes every I don't know like 10 minutes every 15 minutes so I I really I rewrote it into that and then I was like just get out of my life I'm done with you <laughs> another favorite thing that never got made um was when I worked at Warner Brothers and uh a PA a production assistant there who was a major hustler and had a nice circle of friends. They directed their own little, again, on the fringes, they directed their own movies. They were trying to make it in Hollywood. I wrote a screenplay for him called The Hood Ornament. 
that I think is adorable and I should just post it online because it's mine and I wrote it and and he never made the movie and I never really knew why. Like it was a little bit of a sensation in the office. Everybody loved it. It was like, oh, you're such a good writer. And I did that for free. I did it because I believed that he was going to make the movie and it was a short. So it wasn't super time consuming for me, but, um, that one I love. I totally should put that online because it would be really, it's just cute and I love it. So that's, those are a couple of my stories if that's what you're looking for. But I hope the lesson there is like, you don't have to have some big fancy Hollywood producers swoop in and discover you. You can just start on the fringes and get going that way and make money. And the same as, as when I made money as a screenwriter, I made a lot, or I mean, as a songwriter, I made a lot of money as a songwriter and that's a whole other story. But, um, that band does have a big song on the radio, but, uh, not a big song, but their biggest song is on the radio. And, um, but they're not super famous either, but I made good money and I have that experience. And so, yeah, you can, you can, you don't have to be famous. You don't even have to have an IMDb page to pursue your dreams of writing or making movies or anything like that. Lots of people are doing it all the time. And there's so many festivals too. Um, for, if you're interested in this, if you're asking me this, cause you want to know how to do it, you don't even have to have an agent. What you need is a network of people that are excited and passionate about making movies and you need to connect with them and they'll have friends and their friends will have friends. And you just start at the level that you are at. Like people waste so much time being focused on like someone from like way higher up the level, reaching down to them and pulling them up, which does happen from time to time. But gosh, you're missing out on so much joy and so much of the learning process when you just don't focus on connecting with people that are on your same level career-wise and look for talented people, obviously, but then just just start there and start enjoying yourself. And this is long before the internet was a big deal too. So, I mean, it existed clearly, <laughs> but it wasn't what it is today. So there's probably so much I don't even know that people are doing, like start making a YouTube series Start there. There's a good idea. Okay, moving on. Let's see. Oh, she had a second, or she, he, I don't know if this is a man or a woman. Second part to their question. How do you incorporate law of attraction into your everyday life if you do? Do you regularly work with affirmations and other law of attraction tools? Do you use law of attraction for small things or more for your big picture visions? Yes, 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 yes to all that. Yep. I do. <laughs> That's why I talk about it all the time. That's, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. That's why the tagline here for the show is the place where magic with the K meets the law of attraction. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to elaborate on that. Yes, law of attraction works for me. I know it's controversial in the magical community. People get really hung up on... Uh, is it really magic? They get hung up on the, uh, because, and for good reason, some, some teachers are kind of like shamey about it. I read something, even Abraham Hicks, who I just mentioned can be like that, like saying something on some back of an affirmation card about how you're perfectly healthy. It's just all illnesses. This was the sentence. All illnesses are psychosomatic. 
uh, I can love a teacher and disagree with them. It, I, they're not canceled just because they say something I don't agree with. I don't agree with that because I believe we live on a 3D reality and we are co-creating our reality. I believe the law of attraction is for adults. So that really takes a lot of the shaming, shaming and blaming, victim blaming that some people get hung up on. Like, well, what what happens you know, it's like a little child that grows up in a, an abusive household. Sometimes people will explain it like, well, their soul chose that experience for themselves. Uh, I don't presume to know why that happens. I think that's awful and tragic and sad. And I would never say that because I don't know. But I do know that once you are an adult, that is awesome time to start cleaning up the old programs of your life, to start healing the old uh, patterns that were put in place, healing old trauma. That's why I like shadow work. I feel sh- I'm ah ooh ooh. This is a good chance to plug this. I have something coming out on Valentine's Day called Shadow Love. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be a little audio journey. I haven't I haven't announced it yet, but let me throw that out there. It's coming out on Valentine's Day. It's called Shadow Love, and it's very much about self love. Uh, Shadow work is a path to like a deeper kind of self-love. But I really believe it's important to do with with the law of attraction as well. So when we become adults, the law of attraction is about co-creating our reality on purpose. And the co is that mysterious X factor, right? That God, the universe, source, everybody else that's co-creating their realities. Some things happen outside our control. So I don't believe that the law of attraction, that I completely 100% control my reality at all times. And I believe in physical, if a car hits me, I don't believe necessarily that I manifested that. If I get ill, it could just be I caught a virus, which is like a physical thing, right? I do strongly believe in psychosomatic illness, I very much believe that is a thing and that I myself have experienced it and I've witnessed other people experiencing it. Um, But sometimes, you know, there's just these physical things that happen to us. So I'm big on saying co-creating my reality. That's what I like to use the law of attraction for. And the law of attraction is for adults. So there's not all that victim blaming involved. I don't know why I just went off on that little sermon, but I did. (laughs) Okay, one more question. Mm. I'm just starting to explore magic. What resources should I check out? Dude, me, (laughs) you're listening to it. I am the resource. (laughs) Uh, I say that jokingly, but not like, hello. that's what the podcast is for. Um, sometimes on Tuesdays, I guess. And, uh, I make how-to videos and tutorials and ebooks and all that good stuff. But um, really, I'm, when I said that, I was thinking about the weekly witch review that is not so weekly anymore. I've, I've taken quite a bit of time off from it, so every two weeks it kind of comes out. But I, that I'm often purposely pointing to other people that I think are great, that are teaching magic, blog posts, videos, stuff like that. And, I mean, I could sit here all day long listing awesome resources to check out. Uh, so I will, I will recommend one. <laughs> How about one in each category? Let's see, one book, 
one podcast, one YouTuber, one blogger, and maybe, okay, one publishing house. So what is that? That's like five things. (laughs) And it's even going to be hard to narrow it down to one. So I'll just say the first one that pops into my head. One book, The Inner Temple of Witchcraft by Christopher Penzak is awesome. Highly recommend that if you're just starting out. Or even if you've been into magic for a while, it's it's comprehensive. It's going to give you an amazing foundation. Start there. The Inner Temple of Witchcraft by Christopher Penzak. One podcast. Chris Oropello, Down at the Crossroads. He does awesome interviews with a lot of different people in the pagan community. So you'll get a good like cross-section. You'll get ideas. It'll introduce you to a lot of people. If you like an interview, you can go look that person up. So that's the resource that keeps on giving. Um, One YouTuber, Molly Roberts. Molly Roberts. Molly Roberts is a great resource because she's so friendly. I love her, her style of magic. It feels very much like my own, so I relate And I think that's why a lot of people love her, because it's just very down-to-earth, easy, practical stuff. It's not super highfalutin, like you need to go get robes and an athame and a cauldron. It's just very uh, sweet and simple. And um, she's an art witch, among other things, so there's a lot of fun, creative, artsy projects there. So what else did I say I would do? Blog. Uh, Blogger. One blogger. Matt Oren, A-U-R-Y-N. And Matt, I think, only has one T. MattOren.com. And he writes for, is it Pathos or Pathios? I forget. I don't know. Find Matt Oren, A-U-R-Y-N. He's, he's just got an interesting mind, and he'll make you think about things in a fun, unique way. This is so hard because each time I'm talking, I'm like, oh, but there's this other book, and there's this other blog, and you should check this out. But I'm going to stay focused because I really need to wrap this up now. Um, and then one publishing house, easy, Llewellyn. Llewellyn Publishing is the perfect place to start for a beginner that has so much to offer, and uh, Scott Cunningham, who's no longer with us, if you're interested in Wicca. Uh, or I would even just say, like, Nature Magic. He's a classic for a reason, and he's a Llewellyn author. He's who I always think of when I think of Llewellyn. But they're awesome. Like, go to their website and check it out, because there's a lot of... There's two places you can read articles by their authors, their book authors, write little articles. Uh, if you go up to the top tab bar... I know this because I spend some time on their website. There's uh, one tab that says blog and one tab that says articles, and both will lead you to um, just little little excerpts from their books, but also just in uh, independent pieces that their authors write. So, whoo, that's it. <coughs> that's it. I have been holding in a cough for a really long time. I'm going to go cough my brains out. Get this thing up on the internet. I hope you all enjoyed this. And uh, until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.